0: Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. Familiar story. And uh, let's look at it again this morning. I believe this will be God's will. The Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. I want to call your attention back to verse number 8. And uh, we see something about Jesus here in verse 8. Uh, that we see in other texts as well. and I'm going to try not to uh, run too many rabbits uh, other places, but, uh, but it's definitely emphasized here in this text. And it says in verse eight that and immediately when Jesus perceived in His spirit that they so reasoned with themselves. I want you to note this that Jesus had the ability, as being God in human form, being 100% man but 100% God, Jesus had the ability to know what was going on inside of people's minds. He knew what was going on. You could not get one up on Him because He knew what you were thinking. Uh, Many times Jesus would answer a question that was never said out loud. Jesus would address a situation that was never verbalized out loud, whether it be the disciples disputing among themselves who's going to be the greatest or, or whether it was these scribes or Pharisees. Or, he, just, he always knew. He knew what was going on inside their mind. And I think that really that phrase, verse 8, showing us the power of Jesus to know what's going on inside of people's minds and, and, and knowing, His perception is what it's called here in verse 8. Really, I believe, kind of unlocks some truths in this story for us. And so I want to look at the entire story that we just read through that lens, through that perspective of the fact that Jesus knows everything. And so I don't really have a fancy title. I'm just going to call it this morning, uh, Jesus Knows. Uh, Jesus Knows. And so why don't we uh, pray and let's, uh, let's look at this text. And look at this fact this morning, Jesus knows. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have to be here. Thank you for the good spirit in here, the good testimonies. And Lord, we need you desperately. God, you know. Lord, we've already said it many times. It's even been in some testimonies. It's been in our prayers. And Lord, now it's our message today. But Lord, you know, you know what we need. You know what's going on. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us and you would help us. And Lord, touch me and help me. And Lord, I'm just trying to follow your will and be sensitive to you. I pray that you would honor it and that would it would all be for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. and Amen. Well, before I really get to the, I want to lead up to this. And I want to just point out as we look at the text here, just a couple realities about Jesus' earthly ministry that we see highlighted for us, revealed to us, really here in this text. The first thing that I see about Jesus and His ministry in our text this morning is His popularity. Do you notice Jesus' popularity? The Bible says that there were so many, verse 2, that were gathered together that there was no room to receive them. Now, no, not so much as about the door. There were so many people that had come. Why? Well, chapter 1 uh, really shows us his popularity. Verse 45, if you go up just the last verse of chapter 1, it tells us that, that they came to him from every quarter. People were coming all over the place. In verse 37 of chapter 1, uh, his, one of his disciples told him said, Look, all men seek for thee. Everybody's looking for you. Man, If you you, fight, you get a man that can heal people, that can touch people, that can open bl- blinded eyes and, and, and make lame legs walk and make deaf ears hear and and even raise the dead, though we haven't really got that far, cast out devils. And you talk about somebody that can do that. And of course, people are going to flock. They're going to gather together. His popularity was off the charts. The more miracles he performed, the more people started coming. And there were just so many that they couldn't even all fit in this house that he is in, in a totally different town. Word has spread. And, uh, and, and he's just so popular. Now, the more miracles he did, the more popular he was. The more he preached, the less popular he was. <laughs> his miracles were very popular. His message, uh, not so much. In fact, when we get to John 6, uh, we find out that uh, they all just left. Pretty much uh, a lot of them that were with them because of the miracles. They did not walk anymore with him. And, uh, but he was popular at this point. And then we see his preaching. Not only his popularity, but we see his preaching because that's what he's doing here in verse 2. He says that he preached the word Unto them. By the way, that was his main purpose for the miracles. Jesus didn't come necessarily to open blinded eyes or to open deaf ears or to heal lame legs and even raise the dead. That's not what Jesus came to do. Ultimately, the miracles were done so people would believe the message. He came to preach the Word. The, the Word was, there is forgiveness for your sin. Because that is the greatest problem man has, isn't it? It's not a leg problem. It's not a hearing problem. It's not an eyesight problem. Uh, it's, a, it's a sin problem is what we have. In fact, verse 10 tells us that Jesus, and we'll get to this, I might be trodden on a few things I'm going to say here in a minute, but but he said, but That ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed. That's why he performed even the miracle in this text, so people would know that he can forgive sins and that... That he is the forgiver of sin. He's the healer of sins, not just the healer of physical infirmities. That was his preaching. He preached wherever he went. It was not just about miracles. Listen, be wary of these guys. That all they want to do is focus on the supernatural and the sensual and the and the and the miraculous and all that. And they don't want to preach the word. All right. And that's the that's a trait of most of these most of these guys on TV. You see, it's all about what shocks and awes the flesh, and it's not about the word of God. Nothing is centered. Around the Word of God, Jesus was a miracle worker, but he was centered around the Word. He was a preacher, is what he was. We see his popularity. We see his preaching. Not only that, but we see his power, right? Because obviously his power is on display in this miracle. This man that was sick of the palsy, he was paralytic, he could not walk. In fact, he had to be carried to this place and he is carried to this house. Uh, there's not room for them to go in the door. So many people, so what do they do? They climb up on the roof and they open it up. Can you imagine that happening? Uh, ceiling tiles or mud or whatever it is, uh, plaster or whatever's on the, on the ceiling of that house. they begins to, you know, first just one, little flake and then it begins to crumble and then all of a sudden big pieces are just falling in and, and then this man is lowered down right into the midst of the assembly. I mean that's a pretty amazing That's not something you would forget but that takes second place. That's not the most amazing thing these people saw that day. The most amazing people think, thing people saw that day uh, from a human point of view was that this man he came in on a bed but he left carrying his bed. He was carried in, but then he carried out what carried him in. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He, he was able to do for himself what others had to do for him uh, at the beginning of this miracle. And that's the power of God. Listen, uh, Jesus is able to empower you and strengthen you and give you what you need. And, uh, and obviously, we see His mighty power on display. But as i told you before, this is what really uh, gripped my attention this morning. And it's not His popularity, and it's not necessarily His preaching, and it's not His power, but it is His perception. That's the word that's used in verse number 8. Jesus had the ability to know what was going on in the hearts and the minds of the people that were in that room. In fact, Matthew's gospel tells us like this. It uh, uh, gives us this same account in Matthew 9, and it says this, Matthew 9, 4, Jesus knowing their thoughts. That's how Matthew put it. Luke puts it like this, Luke five twenty two, Jesus perceived their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus perceived their thoughts. That word perception, what does that mean? It just simply means to know something accurately, to understand something completely or understand it fully. Jesus had an accurate assessment of what was going on in the hearts and minds of everybody that was there. Have you ever tried to read somebody's mind? Have you ever done that? Uh, it's usually, it usually doesn't work well because obviously we can't do that. But have you ever, I guess what we do, we don't try to read people's minds, but we try to assume what they're thinking. We try to assume their motives. And a lot of times we wrongly, in fact, most of the time, 99.9998% of the time, we usually assign wrong motives to people because we don't know what's in their heart. And, and, and how many of you, I've been, on, I've been on both ends of this thing. I don't like being on the end where people are judging my motives. I don't like to be on that where people think they know what's going on in my mind because you probably have no idea what's going on in my mind and you probably ought to lift a hand toward heaven and thank God for that. (laughs) Amen. You don't, know, you don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, oh, that preacher, he's just in it for the money or whatever, or he's just in it for this or that. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. I try to be careful judging somebody's motives because you really don't know. In fact, what I found out is a lot of times whatever, what, what you, the motives that you assign to somebody else is really what you're saying is, that's why I would do it if I was them. <laughs> so you're kind of really saying more about you than you are anybody else. If I was them, I'd be in it for the money. If I was in their position, that's why I'd do it or whatever. And nobody said that about me, but I'm just saying, you know, just just using that as an example. But Jesus knows. He never assumes anything. Jesus has never assumed anything. Uh, We assume. Jesus doesn't assume. He knows. When Jesus says, hey, here's what you've been thinking about, that's what you've been thinking about. (laughs) When Jesus says, hey, why are you reasoning in your hearts this way? They, they, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, honestly say to Jesus, that's not what we're thinking. That's not what we're saying. That's not, what we're, that's not what's going through our minds. He knew. He knows it accurately. He absolutely knows that's good and that's scary at the same time. That's wonderful and it's horrible all at the same time. To think that God knows. Jesus knows what is going on in our mind. And the truth is, he does know you. He knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, you cannot, you have trouble honestly discerning your own motives. Did you know that? You have trouble discerning your own thoughts. Did you know that? You know why? Because we have we are so good at deceiving ourselves. We're so good at justifying things in our mind. Uh, We're so good at those things. We, We have trouble being honest with ourselves. Uh, a lot of times we can take what we think is a good evaluation of everybody else, but when it comes to ourselves, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, and we justify what we want to do, and, and all these things. And, and we think that every man's cause is right in his own eyes, right? He's just in his own eyes. That's what the, the Bible says. And so um, you know, everybody kind of assumes the best for themselves, but Jesus knows he, he can take an honest assessment of you more than you can of yourself. He knows. He knows. John 2, at the end of John 2, tells us he did not commit himself to man because he knew what was in man. He knows knows what's in man. He knows everything about us. We just heard a lesson. Maybe this is what stirred me up this morning. uh, Brother Andrew uh, teaching on John 4 this morning, that woman at the well. And that woman was so amazed. She was so astonished at what? And Jesus knew everything about her life. That is what I mean, flipped a switch for her that Jesus knew. He knew everything. knew everything she had done and everywhere she had been, and she knew even what she was into at that current moment. She, he knew everything, and he. She said, "Come see a man who told me all things ever I did. Is not this man the Christ? He's got to be the one. He's more than a prophet. He's more. He's got to be God. If he can tell you what's going on inside your heart and your mind, he has got to be God." So I want to think about this just for a moment, the fact that Jesus knows. Will you think about it with me just for a second before we go home? I thought about we see His, we would call this the omniscience of God, right? His all, know, He knows all. And we see Christ's omniscience really um, exemplified for us in, in a couple ways in this text. And let me, let me just give it to you like this. Number one, Jesus knows This is real simple, but just stay with me, all right? Jesus knows, number one, He knows our greatest need. He knows our greatest need. He knows what we need. Now, the events, obviously, we've already said something about it, that led up to this man finding himself right in the middle, this paralytic man, this paralyzed man, sick of the palsy. He finds himself right in the middle of this room because he had some good friends that that would not be... They uh, denied, right? They were willing to overcome whatever obstacle uh, to get this man to Jesus. There's a great message in that right there, no doubt about it. But, but it's amazing. I mean, it's astounding what they did. They overcame whatever they had to overcome. They decided, hey, we are getting this man to Jesus. And I, don't know, I don't know why they were so motivated to do that, but it was motivated by faith. We know that in verse number 5, Jesus saw their faith. But they were willing to do whatever it took to get that man to Jesus. And so they, they take the time to pick him up. They take the time to carry him. They take the time to go up on a roof. And they take the time and the energy and the effort to break it all open and then lower this man down into the middle of the room and yet what we find here is that when Jesus acknowledges this man and Jesus speaks to this man in verse number 5, he does not say what probably everyone expected him to say. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but if, if I'm bringing this man to Jesus, he needs to be healed. He needs a healing, right? And he needs to be touched. He, he, he needs his palsy healed, his paralyzed condition changed. You lower them down. What I would expect Jesus to say when He gets to this man is what He does finally say at the end of the text, and that is, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. You're healed, be healed. That's what I would expect Him to say. If I'm the man on the bed, if I'm the one that needs a touch, that's what I'm looking for Jesus to say. I'm looking for Him to say, Arise. Arise. Take up thy bed, walk, get up, be healed. That's what I'm listening for. That's what I'm expecting. But how many of know verse number 5? That's not what Jesus says. He says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I don't know exactly how it all happened. Will y'all allow me to use a little creative license, all right? I don't know how this man responded when... Jesus said that, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I don't know how this man exactly responded, but in my mind, I would, if it was me, I guess I would say, Okay, that's great. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. But I kind of have some other things going on here that I'd like you to maybe look at. I'd like you to maybe address. You know, I'm kind of here, I appreciate the, the spiritual side, I appreciate the sins and all that being forgiven. That's that's great. But I, I need you to I need you to look at my legs. I, I I can't walk. But then Jesus, if that was what he said, it's not in the text. But Jesus by saying what he said indicates to us that this man had a greater need than what He thought was His greatest need. I'm here to tell you this, that Jesus knows what our greatest need is. Listen, you may think you know what your greatest need is. You may think you can figure out what you actually need. But I'm here to tell you this, this morning. God knows. Jesus knows what your greatest need is. These words remind us that He knows what is more important. It was not the physical needs of this man. Because if all Jesus did was heal this man physically and not address his spiritual condition, which I think there are many that receive miracles. I don't think everybody that got, got a miracle is necessarily saved. I, I don't believe that. Uh, there were many probably that got a physical healing but never received a spiritual healing from Jesus. And listen, if you receive a physical healing but never receive a spiritual healing, then all that does is that makes you a candidate to die and go to hell with two good legs. Amen. And I tell you, this world talks a lot about the greatest needs of humanity and it's not financial. This world thinks you just throw more money, throw some kind of government program at a certain group of people and that'll fix all of their problems, all of their Listen, that is not man's greatest need. Man's greatest need is not financial. It's not physical. It's not even emotional. It's not to, to, to wrestle with things that have happened with you in the past, that how you've been hurt and how you've been traumatized and abused and all these kind of stuff. You may need help with those things, but that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is your, is your need for your sins to be forgiven. You need spiritual help. Help you and I both need help, and we need healing in the spiritual department far more than we need help and healing in anything else in this life. In fact, how many of you know this to be true? This is just thought. This is real simple this morning. Just, just thought. But how many know this to be true? That many times God will allow you to suffer physically, and God may even allow you to suffer financially. And God may allow you to suffer emotionally just so He can work on you spiritually. So He can perfect you and He can mature you on the spiritual side. Why is that? Because that's your greatest need. That's what you need more than anything. And I'm here to tell you, if you're here and you've never been saved, you've never been born again, I'm here to tell you that your greatest need this morning, it is not for whatever. It's not for more money. It's not for a job. It's not for somebody to like you. It's not a relationship. It's not for popularity. Your greatest need is for your sins to be forgiven. And so many people mistakenly think, if I just had this, if God would just do this for me, if He would just do that, if He would just touch me, and in fact, That probably, to some extent at least, maybe not to the full extent, and I'll show you that here in a minute, but to some extent at least, that was this man's mindset. That was these men that carried his bed. That was their mindset. If we can just get this man to Jesus and get his legs fixed, then his life will be better. His life, he'll be fulfilled. He'll, be, he'll have everything he needs. If he could just get his legs fixed, he'll be fine. But when he comes, they find out that's not what he needed most of all. He needed help spiritually most of all. And humanity, we're so broken on the inside, that's what we think. That's what everybody thinks. If I just had this... If somebody just loved me, if I just had this relationship, if I just had this amount in my bank account, if I just had this job, if I just had this position, if I just had this, if I if I had if I could do that, if I was skinnier, or if I was fatter, or if I—I don't think anybody says that, but if I was, if I looked like this, or if I could do this, or if so and so would accept, then I would have everything I need. But can I tell you, it is absolutely false. It's nothing but a lie. Because what we need more than anything is we need to know that we are right with God on the inside. That's what man craves. That is what your heart will only be satisfied when it finds its rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, Jesus knows that. And that, that may be why He's putting you through the wringer in some places, in some circumstances. You ever get frustrated with God? You think, Lord, why don't you fix this? Am I the only one that gets, gets like that? You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe He knows everything. I believe in the omniscience of God. I believe He's in control of everything. I believe He's all-powerful. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. And, and in some circumstances, some situations, I say this, that God's sovereignty is my sanity. And I've said that before, and, uh, and I believe that. I'm able to lay my head down on my pillow at night and know, hey, listen, God's in control, and God's in charge. That's a blessing. All this stuff, you watch the news, you'll go crazy, man. All this stuff, Russia, Ukraine, and gas prices and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. But you know what? We can lay our head down at night and you know know what we can know? Hey, God's in control. And so in in a lot of ways, in most ways, God's sovereignty is my sanity. But let me say something else. God's sovereignty is also my frustration too. (laughs) Did you know that? It really is. Because knowing and believing that God knows everything and can do anything and yet, He's not doing anything right here that gets frustrating sometimes for me. God, I know all you got to do. You, you, listen, God doesn't have to touch somebody to heal somebody. He doesn't have to be in the same room with somebody to heal somebody. Literally, somebody comes to Him, Oh, you got a sir? Okay, yeah, go away. He's healed. It's fine. Go back home. He can just say it and somebody's healed. That's how powerful our God is. He's not limited by time or space. He knows everything. He knows what we have need of before we what? Before we even ask. He knows what we need. If that's the kind of God we serve and, I, and God still let me lay on my bed for a little bit, anybody get frustrated with that? But I tell you what, God knows that there's more needs that are pressing. and There's more important things than just those temporary physical things that we're waiting on God to do. God didn't heal this man immediately. Um, God had other things He was doing in this text. God addressed this man's most important need. And I want to tell you something. That, what, what that ought to do for us is that ought to let us know that, listen, God, he, not only does He know us, but He loves us. He, loves, he knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you better than you love yourself. He loves you better. It's a different quality of love. It's not not vain, conceited love like we have for ourselves. It's it's a better quality of love. And if God knows us like that and He knows what we need, I'm going to tell you something. We're not going to go without what we absolutely need. So if your problem that you're thinking about, if it's not fixed right now, I'll tell you why, because you don't need it to be fixed right now. You don't need it to be. Because God's addressing what you need. What do you need? Well, you might need some patience right now. You might need some spiritual maturity right now. But you don't necessarily need that problem fixed right now. Because when you do need it fixed, guess what He'll do? He'll do something about it. Everybody all right? That's real simple, isn't it? He knows what our greatest need is. Number two, write this down. This isn't alliterated or anything. It's just, just a thought here. Jesus knows our greatest need. Number two, Jesus knows this. I'm going to call it this. Our faintest cry. He knows our faintest cry. I love that. I get that from... What song is that in the Red Book? Just a little talk with Jesus. Is that what it is? Is that page 92? He'll hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. Just a little talk with Jesus makes right. He hears our faint. It don't have to be loud. In fact, here's our text. Here's our thought this morning. It don't even have to be verbal. It doesn't have to be audible. He knows. The cry of the heart. Here, and here's how the Lord showed this to me. And Maybe, maybe I'm off my rocker here, but there's something, there's something wrong in this text. There's something wrong right here. All right, because here's what's going on. This man, he's lowered in, verse number five. When Jesus saw their faith, and that's important, I'll get to that. But he said to the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, hold on. Just think, with, think through that just for a second. Jesus just forgave this man's sins. What's missing? What's missing here? What would you say? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, He didn't ask. You know, usually forgiveness is preceded by what? Repentance? Confession? Something? There's got to be something, right? In fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say God will forgive you without you... Asking or confessing or repenting or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Professing faith, whatever. You've you, you got to say something. you got to do something. you got to whatever. So this man, as best we can tell, on just a kind of a surface level evaluation, he, 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 never, he never said anything. But yet God forgives him anyway. What does that mean? I mean, there was something going on inside this man's heart. You couldn't hear it, but guess what? It don't matter if you can hear it or not. He knows. He knows. Jesus knows. Jesus heard it. It wasn't loud. Nobody else heard it. But Jesus heard it. He heard a faint cry. He saw something in that man. I don't know what's going on inside the mind of God, so I'm just speculating just a little bit. But there was something going on inside that man. There was just a a small, just maybe a minuscule, microscopic, just little cell of repentance and faith and belief. Confession. In fact, Jesus said he saw what? He saw their faith. Now, let me tell you how I always read that. I always read up until just this past week. This is what kind of got me going. I always read that when it said he saw their faith. I always thought it was the four people carrying the carrying the bed. Their faith. We can all see their faith, man. They're climbing up a roof and they're busting up ceiling tiles. I oh, mean, that's faith right there. We believe Jesus can heal this man. And he saw their faith. But that little pronoun there, it's got to be referring not to just four men. It's got to be referring to a fifth man. That man on the bed, he had to have had some faith because Jesus saw it. Because he don't save people without faith. Can I get a witness? Who had the faith? It wasn't just this man that man. One of them men were Lazarus, right? You know what the song says? So I don't know. Anyway, I got that out of the Bible. That wasn't in the Bible. If you don't know that song, you're not missing too much. But. Man, the Bible ruined some good songs, don't it? Amen. Yeah, one of them four, you know, he spoke, my name's Lazarus, you know. That never happened. But there was a man on that bed. He had some faith. And it may not have been, whole. I don't know how much it was, but I'm going to tell you something. Listen, a mustard seed can like rearrange can can rearrange topography. I don't know how much that man had. He may not have known everything about Jesus. He may not have, but there was there was just something real small on the inside. And when Jesus saw it, he said, boom, you're forgiven. And you know what else that lets me know about Jesus? He must be looking for that. He must be on that because if it's so small that it's not even mentioned not even vocalized or verbal but Jesus knows and he sees it on the inside it must be Jesus must not be one of them kind of you know sitting up here like that and say you really got to prove to me you want to be forgiven you really gotta you really you really got to show yourself if I'm going to forgive you it seems to me that his grace is so aggressive and his forgiveness is so like he's sitting on go, just ready to give it, that he just jumps. As soon as he saw just a little bit, he said, boom, you got it. Boom, I'm giving it to you right there. Boom, you can have it. I, I, because, he listen, I'm tell you what, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save that. He's looking. In fact, he's looking for people that ain't even looking for him. He's looking for things inside of you. You may not even know is all the way there. Hey Amen. He hear, He knows, faintest to cry. It was real small. In fact, you, I, I've overlooked it for years in this text. But there it was. Because he can't forgive somebody without them believing, without them something on the inside. Amen. He responded. He knows. He knows. Jesus knows. Isn't that amazing? The, the Bible said, I think I read this, it, it's got to be Psalm 86, I think it is, or in the 80s somewhere, I was reading there this week, it said that He's a God. He's plenteous in mercy. He's ready to forgive. He's ready. It means He's sitting on go, ready to, ready to forgive. Man, that's amazing. Man, what a God. What a God we have. He's not like that. I don't know this is carnal, but that dude in the, the, uh, <clears throat> the Geico commercial or one of them commercials, you know, the old man with the dollar on the fishing pole. Got you a dollar. Whoop, almost got it. Whoop, almost got it. That's how we think God is. We just gotta if we just jump high enough, we can get it. Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. You know, please, listen. No, He wants you to have it. If you're in here lost today, I'm here to tell you. Listen, He wants to save you more than you want to be saved, more than you do not want to go to hell. He wants you more than anything you could ever imagine. Say, how much does He want me? Well, He was willing to go to Calvary and let him, and, and suffer. All of the torture of Calvary and all of the wrath of God, He was willing to do all that just to save you. That's how much He wants you to be saved. He knows. He's listening. He's looking. He saw their faith. So Jesus knows, right? He knows, what does He know? He knows our greatest need, He knows our faintest cry. Let me give you one more and I'm done. One more and I'm done. Um, By the way, just a parallel passage. Different story, but the same thought here. It's the only other place I could find... And maybe y'all need to do a little study for me because I, I really didn't get a chance to... I was going to look this afternoon a little bit more and I didn't get a chance to do that. But, <clears throat> but Luke 7 is the only other time I, I can find... I'm not talking about parallel passages to this story, but Luke 7 is the only other time I can find where Jesus forgives somebody without him ever asking um, necessarily and that's the woman that come in with that alabaster box. And the story almost lines up identical to this one. The Simon the Pharisee whose house they were in, he never said it out loud, but in his mind he was thinking, if Jesus knew who this woman was, she wouldn't let him or he wouldn't let her do all what she's doing, that alabaster box. And, all that. He, and you know what Jesus says? He goes up to Simon and he starts addressing Simon, not what he said, but what was in his heart and in his mind. And he says, I'll tell you why her sin. In fact, as far as I know, no, she, yeah, Luke 7, he did tell her sins forgive. But he says, because she loved much, she's forgiven much. It's almost the same kind of thing going on there. Y'all study that and see what you can find. But what I'm saying, Jesus, he's, look, he's listening, he's looking for it. And when he sees it, you got it immediately. Forgiveness. He knows. Why, why can he do that? Because he's God and he knows. And that's why also a person, you can weep and you can cry and you can yell and you can holler. You can run, jump in an altar. But if it's not real on the inside, there's nothing being changed. You can sign a card, you can shake a preacher's hand, you can do all that. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus knows. He knows. He knows. It goes both ways, don't it? So He knows our greatest need. He knows our faintest cry. Number three, I'm going to call it this. He knows our hardest obstacle. I'll we'll say it like that. Or I think if I had time to change this before tonight, I think I would call it our our hardest struggle. Our struggles. He knows what we're struggling with, and I see that how he deals with these scribes here, these these religious leaders that are that are here, because this is really really where he tells us that he 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 knows what's going on. Verse eight. He asked these scribes, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Verse 9, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Um, So these scribes never said anything out loud, but we know what's going on in their heart. Verse 7 tells us what they were reasoning in their hearts. Look at verse 7. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now, here's what they believe. They believe that only God could forgive sins. Now, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Only God can forgive sins. Why? Because all sins are ultimately done against God. Okay? So, okay, like for instance, uh, Wes and Derek, they're talking on the front row right here. So I'll use them as an illustration. I'm about to punch both of y'all in the face. No, I'm just kidding. But let's just say, Let's just say. I'm just kidding. He's being he's been good, Mom and Dad. Don't worry, don't worry. It's Wes's fault. All right. Let's just say, for instance, we got, we'll use these three right here, these three stooges right here. We got Dax and Wes and Derek, all right? And let's just say, uh, let's just say Wes comes in and he punches Dax right in the face. Just, Just bloodies his nose. I've seen it almost happen before, actually. This isn't out of the realm of possibility. But he punches him, and what if Wes punches Dax in the face, but then Derek comes over, and he says, he, he, uh, he comes up to Wes, and he says, Hey, Wes, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I forgive you for punching Dax in the face. <laughs> I think Derek would. Don't you think so? <laughs> I don't think Derek would care if Dax got punched in the face. (laughs) Derek says, don't worry, Wes. I forgive you for punching Dax in the face. Old Dax would say, hold on, sir. I don't forgive you for punching me in the face. Derek does not have the authority to forgive Wes for doing something that he did to Dax. Does that make sense? So if our sins are against God, and they are, then there ain't no man on the face of this earth has the authority to absolve you of your sins. Because your sins ain't against them, they're against God. Only God can forgive sins. Back to our text. Here comes Jesus and He's doing what? Now, now He's opening blind eyes, deaf ears, lame legs, all that. Okay, that's neat. Let's watch this. When He starts saying, Your sins are forgiven, That's blasphemy. But it's only blasphemy if you're not God. Jesus is God. That was their biggest obstacle. That was the leaders. That was their greatest struggle. Now listen to me. They could not accept the fact that Jesus was God. And I'll tell you why. Because it would upset their entire system. It It would upset financially. Their popularity, it would change everything about their life. If Jesus is God and this thing's fulfilled and the Messiah has come, that changes absolutely everything. And they didn't want everything to be changed. They didn't want their life. That was their biggest struggle. Jesus cannot be God. In fact, Jesus tripped them up many times and they wouldn't even answer. They wouldn't answer because they, know, they started thinking, if I answer this way, then they'll say this. And if I answer this way, this. They, they they could not... Be honest. That was their greatest obstacle. And Jesus said, what's easier to say? What is easier to say? Arise? That's what everybody expected Him to say. Arise. Get up. Take up your bed. Walk. But Jesus said, what's easier to do? Heal lame legs or forgive sins? The truth is, neither one of them are any easier than the other. Only God can do either one. And if, if they could accept Him healing, but they couldn't accept Him forgiving sins, then their theology was off just a little bit. They, what's easier to say? Either one of them. Only God can do it. In fact, you say, well, there was people in the Bible who miracles. That's God doing it. God did that. He did it through people. But God did it. He's God. But here's what's amazing to me. Jesus knew their struggle, and I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He knew their struggle. He knew the greatest obstacle. So look what he does. Look at verse number 10. And I'm done. Miss Maddie, you can come around the piano. It says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man... It's important to use that phrase. I'm not going to get into all that right now. But the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise. Now what does He say to the sick of the palsy? Verse 11 is what He says to the sick of the palsy. Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into that house. Who did Jesus want to know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins? He wanted those leaders to know that. In fact, the text indicates right here that Jesus healed this man so that the scribes and the leaders would know that he could forgive sin. Jesus knew what their greatest obstacle was. He knew what they were struggling with and wrestling with on the inside. And so he healed this man for many purposes, I'm sure, but for the one that's mentioned in the text, he did it. Jesus didn't heal this man so the man in the bed would know. He said, I'm doing it so that ye may No. Jesus knew what their biggest struggle was. And you know what he did? He showed them something to help them overcome it. Now, they didn't accept it. We know that many of them didn't. They wouldn't. They they were blind. They didn't want to see it. They covered their ears, hardened their hearts, blinded their eyes. But Jesus went out of his way to prove to them something that would help them with their struggle and what they were struggling with on the inside. And I just thought about this, man, Jesus knows what we're struggling with on the inside. He knows what you're wrestling with right now. There's people in here, you're wrestling with being saved. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. I mean talking about truly the real thing, but you're, you're wrestling with it on the inside. I'm here to tell you, he knows what you're wrestling with. Some of you wrestling with surrender to God. You you're living carnally and you're backslid and you're cold, calloused on God. You're struggling with things. There's idols there's, there's, there's idolatry in your heart. There's other loves. There's things that have gotten your attention and, and you're struggling with it. You come to church. Coming to church is a struggle because it's going on on the inside. Listen, all I'm here to tell you is He knows what you're struggling with. And I'm going to tell you, just like He did for these leaders, here's what He's doing for you. He's going to show you something that'll help you with that struggle. How many times has God, too many to count for me, but how many times has God done something just so you would know that he knows what you're struggling with. He's done a lot for me. Just his providence in my life. He'll do something. He'll show me something. I'll hear a message. I'll hear a song, a phone call, encouragement, something in our church, family, something, something. And it'll be like a reminder and he'll say, hey, I know what you're struggling with on the inside. There's been times I've struggled with discouragement and I've struggled with all kinds of stuff. And you know what? Just at the exact right time, somebody will encourage me or give me what I need. And you know what I take that as? Jesus comes to me and says, hey, I know what you're struggling with. I want to show you something. I want to do something that'll help you with your struggle. And I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but I'm here to tell you, He knows it. And maybe just through this message, maybe this message is a reminder. Maybe this service is a reminder. Maybe God, maybe just God letting you wake up and see the sunshine this morning is a reminder that, hey, He knows what you're going through. He knows your struggles. And He just wants to show you something. And if you'll just let go and give in to Him and believe on Him. Just even that, just that faintest cry, man, He'll do a great work in your heart. You know, it reminds me of another, it's not the same, not the same story, but where Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. It's almost the same situation. They were all packed in a place and, and, uh, and they were all uh, all together and these religious leaders were there. And here's what it says about it. And you have to look it up. I don't know the address on this, but it says this. It says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's what it says. The religious leaders. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. But they never got anything. You know why? Because they were too concerned about what day it was. It was a Sabbath day. I ain't healing a man's hand on a Sabbath day. In fact, Jesus knew what day it was, and he healed the man's hand just to tick him off. But that's another story for another day. But the fact is, he was ready to help them with their struggles. See, that's the problem with the Pharisees. They saw everybody else struggling, but they never could see themselves as somebody that was struggling. I'm trying to wrap this up, but it's just really big in my heart this morning. Let me tell you this. I'm done. How many all agree he knows everything about us? You know what the good news is? Is that he loves us anyway. Because everybody's biggest fear in here, I'm going to tell you what your greatest fear is. Your greatest fear is to be fully known. You don't want everybody to know everything about you. That's, your big, that's why some people are a little more private than others. And that's why some people, your, greatest fear is, your greatest fear is that somebody's going to find out everything about you. Can I tell you something about God? He already knows everything about you. And the reason we don't we're afraid of people finding out everything about us is because we feel like this. If they know everything about me, they won't love me anymore. If they knew this about my life, they wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. They wouldn't want to fellowship. They wouldn't want to associate with me anymore if they knew this about me. Can I tell you something that's amazing about God? He knows everything about all of us. Here he is. He said, I'll be with you always. Even to the end of the world. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can't scare him off. You can't run him off. What an amazing God we have that knows everything. That ought to be a comfort to us today. He knows everything about us. Let's stand together.